I'm Brian Fabry Dorsum, and this is a character creator side quest. I've been taking a bit of a break from the podcast, but I wanted to take a break from that break to weigh in on a question that has been making the rounds again recently. It's been almost a month since the Stoneman Douglas High School shooting in Parkland, Florida, during which Nicholas Cruz took the lives of 17 people with the help of an AR-15 rifle. Since it was discovered that Cruz plays video games, the question that many people, including the President of the United States, have been asking is, do violent video games cause violent behavior? The short answer to this question is no, of course not. And I submit as evidence, facts. If the idea is that violent video games cause violence, it would follow that the countries playing the most video games would be the most violent. Japan, for example, plays more video games than any other country in the world. They spend an average of $120 per person on video games each year, more than anyone. In 2015, how many crimes in Japan do you think involved gunfire? I'm not even talking about gun deaths here, I'm talking about the number of times a gun was even fired. How many do you think? Eight. Total. And all of them were Yakuza. Only one person died. One person died from gun violence in Japan in 2015. For those keeping score at home, that's 13,285 less than in the United States that same year. And that's not even counting suicides. But maybe Japan is an anomaly, right? Maybe other game-playing countries have higher rates of gun violence. Other than Japan and the United States, the remaining top five game-playing countries in the world are South Korea, the UK, and Australia. If you know anything at all about gun violence, you know where this is going. Let's look at the stats for average gun deaths per 100,000 people. South Korea comes in at 0.05, just above Japan at 0.04. The UK is slightly higher than both at 0.07. Australia has more than twice the UK's rate with 0.15. The United States, however, 3.85. And I'll do that math for you. In the United States, your chances of being killed by a gun are 25 times higher than in Australia and 96 times higher than in Japan. And what do you know? All of those countries play video games. Surely then, it must be something else. What about the United States is different from Japan and South Korea and the UK and Australia? What could account for such drastic differences in gun violence? There are many factors, but the main factor is gun laws. In all of these countries, access to guns is either severely restricted or banned altogether. But all of that is just the short answer. The long answer to whether or not violent video games cause violence is, well, longer. And that answer starts with gun manufacturers. The United States is a particularly good place to manufacture guns due, in large part, to our lax gun laws. They're easy to buy. The United States has 270 million guns in it, that's almost one gun per person, and we are on our own there. That is by no means a normal figure. Where the United States has about 90 guns per 100 people, Yemen, the second most armed country in the world, has 55, almost half. 
There is an enormous amount of guns in this country, and many of them are rifles. In 2016, 36% of all manufactured guns were rifles, 4 million. And it's estimated by the NRA, no less, that 25% of those rifles were AR-15s. Other gun groups have estimated as many as 50% were AR-15s. That's anywhere between 1 and 2 million AR-15s produced in one year. That's about as many guns as exist in the UK altogether. But this is where it gets complicated. Remington, the country's oldest gun manufacturer, recently declared bankruptcy, and I'll leave you to feel your own way about that. But that bankruptcy is certainly no thanks to video games. It turns out that video games and gun manufacturers have a long and troubling relationship. But let's think first about a game like Gran Turismo, a racing game that reproduces real-world cars in the digital world. You can race BMWs, Audis, Lamborghinis, and Volkswagens, any car company you can think of. And how does Gran Turismo pull all of this off? Well, they pay for it. They pay each manufacturer a licensing fee to use their products in the game. The same goes for any game using real-life clothing brands, sports teams, or, you guessed it, guns. If Activision wants to include a Barrett 50 caliber semi-automatic sniper rifle in Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, they're going to have to pay for it. And they do. The same goes for all of the real-life weaponry you see in games. It is all included either because the game companies have paid for the license, or because the gun manufacturers have paid the game companies for the advertising. This relationship hasn't gone unnoticed either. Last November, relatives of the victims of the 2012 Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting sued Remington for their advertising tactics, which the lawsuit says targeted young men like shooter Adam Lanza. Attorney Joshua Koskoff said, quote, Remington may never have known Adam Lanza, but they had been courting him for years, end quote. They did this, the lawsuit claims, through careful sloganeering and product placement in video games. What's difficult, however, is tracing just how these product placement deals occur. I tried reaching out to Electronic Arts and Activision, the developers of Battlefield and Call of Duty, games that both use real-world weapons. I tried reaching out to Remington and Macmillan, weapons manufacturers with a documented history of in-game product placement. Nothing. I didn't hear back from anyone. Actually, Remington did get back to me, but to tell me that I'd have to write my message by hand and mail it to them before they'd even consider responding. Anyway, maybe you're thinking, well, you're a tiny little video game podcast, why would they talk to you? And maybe you're right. But either way, it's important to note that I am not alone. In 2012, the Huffington Post tried to report on all of this, but found, quote, just how these product placements come about is unclear. Multiple calls and email messages to Electronic Arts were not returned. Queries to Activision were referred to an outside spokeswoman, Cassandra Bijarski, who said on both Tuesday and Wednesday that no one from the company was available to field questions on the gun branding in its games, or whether the company was concerned about suggestions that their game is creating a market and enthusiasm among young people for high-powered weaponry. Remington did not return calls or emails." Even the New York Times had trouble. 
When writing about these connections in 2012, the New York Times reached out to Activision. They reached out to the Macmillan Group, Magpul, Glock, and Barrett, as well as the NRA. Not one of them provided a comment. For a brief period in 2012, Electronic Arts, the publisher of Battlefield and Medal of Honor, provided links from their website to the websites of Magpul and the Macmillan Group so that players could purchase in real life the weapons they used in the game. That's a pretty intense thing to do, and after a great deal of public outcry, EA removed the links from their site shortly after. The next year, in 2013, EA told Reuters that they would no longer pay gun manufacturers to use their weapons in-game, but they said nothing about whether or not they would accept advertising revenue from the manufacturers. In 2016, they released a trailer for Battlefield that included in fine print, quote, no weapon, gear, or vehicle manufacturer is affiliated with or has sponsored or endorsed this game, end quote. What this means exactly is unclear. Weapons manufacturers aren't sponsoring the game, but is EA paying them licensing fees, or have they cut ties altogether? What is clear is that their games continue to depict real-life weapons. Is it possible that Remington, who again is filing for bankruptcy, isn't seeking compensation for EA's use of their weapons or paying them for ad space? I suppose it is technically possible. The main argument for including these weapons in the game at all is realism. Developers want their games to look and feel as realistic as possible, and to a large degree I get that. But something to remember here is that these games are not realistic. You might remember that in episode 2, I spoke with combat veterans who play war games to treat their PTSD. And while they agree that there is an impressive level of detail to games like Battlefield or Call of Duty, when I asked Bryant Chambers, an army combat vet, if playing those games took him back to his time in combat, well... No. <laughs> no it, the, the mission was way too unrealistic and ridiculous <laughs> to take me back to... Like, just the... the the scenarios it puts you in are too... Like, I can suspend my disbelief sometimes with video games. That particular mission, I'm like, there's no way two of us are running through all these buildings. And nobody's going to figure out that we just murdered all 90 of these other guys before we got to the HVT. Tim Locklear, a former Army infantryman, described games like this as Super Mario with guns. And as for the true experience of war, it turns out it's not quite the adrenaline-fueled, last-man-standing, run-and-gun madness that Call of Duty would have you think. A few of the combat vets I talked to said that if video games were to realistically portray war, it would mostly be sitting around. These games are a fantasy of war. And that's okay, that's all they have to be. I mean, who wants games to feel like war? But when it comes to injecting real weapons into that fantasy, that's something that we seem reluctant to give up. And I get that too. I play sports games and I want every detail to be as realistic as possible, up to me actually having to run around outside. But with games like Call of Duty and Battlefield, that realism comes at a price in more ways than one. It's hard to know how to move forward if we don't know what's actually happening. Both game developers and gun manufacturers have been incredibly tight-lipped on this issue. What we do know, however, is that this relationship between the games industry and the weapons industry is long and it's ongoing. Do violent video games cause violence? No, they don't. 
but some games support an industry that arms violent people with lethal weapons, and this is something that can change. If we're comfortable demanding that gun money be removed from politics, we should be comfortable demanding that it be removed from our games as well, and vice versa. I'd say that at the very least, asking for transparency on this issue, both from game developers and gun manufacturers, is not too much to ask. This debate about video games and gun violence keeps coming back to life, and it keeps coming back to life because it's a convenient distraction. As long as we're talking about fake guns, we're not talking about real guns. It also means that we're not talking about the fact that nearly all, and when I say nearly all, I mean more than 98% of mass shootings are perpetrated by men. But that's another story altogether. One thing that's clear is that digital guns are not the cause of real gun violence. At the risk of tipping my hand here, I'm going to make a suggestion. Instead of coming for our controllers, maybe, just maybe, it's time we came for something else. This side quest was produced by me and my two enormous cats, Jimmy and Callie. Music for the show is by Names for Sounds. You can find more music at namesforsounds.com. I want to thank Sam Perry and all of our Patreon donors. Thank you so much for supporting the show. If you'd like to become a donor, visit patreon.com slash character creator podcast. If you don't have money, that's okay. Who does? But please consider rating and reviewing the show on iTunes. It goes a long way toward getting the show heard. As I mentioned before, the show is technically on a bit of a break while I work on another project, so releases will be a little sporadic for the time being. But you can keep up with the show on social media. As always, you can find links for all of the references in this episode at our website, charactercreatorpodcast.com. 